Sup, you beautiful bastards. Hope you have a fantastic Monday. Welcome back to The Philip DeFranco Show, and let's just jump into it. And the first thing we're gonna talk about today is Good Morning America, GMA. So in a shift for GMA, rather than having a controversial celebrity who is in some sort of scandal come on the show, it appears they decided to cut out the middleman altogether and just have the controversy in-house. And so what we saw over the weekend was just a wave of anger and backlash towards GMA co-anchor Lara Spencer. And as far as why there was this backlash, if you didn't see, last week she made a comment during a segment that mentioned six-year-old Prince George's upcoming class curriculum. In addition to the usual first or second grade things like math, science, and history, the future King of England will be putting down the Play-Doh to take on religious studies, computer programming, poetry, and ballet, among other things. (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't contain, oh, he looks so happy about the ballet class. Prince William says George absolutely loves ballet. I have news for you, Prince William. We'll see how long that lasts. the religious studies and the computer programming. I just want to go back to the Play-Doh. And following that, viewers quickly slammed the comment as insensitive. They took to social media using the hashtag BoysDance2. Also notably, we had public reactions from people like Derek Huff, of course, professional dancer, posting this photo to Instagram and saying, my initial response was disappointment. For a brief moment, it brought up old unpleasant memories of being mocked and laughed at for being a boy who danced. But also noting, I understand that comments like the one made here on television were probably lighthearted and just a little banter. But also adding, the tone and mockery towards dance is just dated, old, and not relevant anymore. And adding, so if there are any young kids out there who have a passion to pursue dance, don't be discouraged by those who might laugh or make fun, tease, or taunt. I'm featuring Derek's comment here not just because he's a very, very popular dancer, but also because outside of people that were going for Spencer's throat because of these remarks, you had a lot of people saying, you know, we don't think there was ill intent here. But in general, we should use this opportunity to kind of change the culture. Some saying more ballet, less bullying. Also, let people pursue whatever interest they want to pursue. And also, part of the reason that we're talking about this today is that on air this morning, Lara Spencer apologized. I screwed up. I did. The comment I made about dance was insensitive, it was stupid, and I am deeply sorry. Spencer also saying that she reached out to members of the dance community to hear their stories. GMA then cutting to a pre-recorded segment of Spencer talking to professional dancers who shared their memories of being bullied for dancing as children. And Spencer said that these dancers came together to speak with her so they could turn a negative into a positive, right? And essentially use the situation to create a teachable moment. And I mean, as far as my reaction to this story, I'm not outraged. It felt kind of like a throwaway comment during Arguably, I think the weirdest part of this story should be that a TV show is reporting on the curriculum of a six-year-old. That seems like the really damn weird part to me. But I mean, as far as boys in ballet or boys dancing, I don't think it should be a big deal in any way. I'm a big believer in as long as that kid's not hurting someone else or hurting themselves, just letting them try whatever. Like my son, his own personal interest, he asks us to get him into soccer, into baseball, into karate, but also at the same time, he asks his mom to paint his nails. Don't care, as long as I also equip him with the information that some people in this world are stupid and shitty and might make fun of him for doing something that doesn't affect them in any single way, then great. I also feel jealous for the the generations that are coming up now because it, in general, does feel more accepted for everybody to dance. Whether it's stemming from kids doing Fortnite dances or kids doing viral meme stuff on TikTok. Hell, even stuff like mega popular Tom Holland going on to lip sync battle doing Rihanna's umbrella. But ultimately, where I really want to end this story is whether you thought the story was uh, an interesting thing, a big deal, or a small deal, I do think that there's at least one important point. I do believe that in general, whenever possible, the first reaction to something being said that you find to be uh, horrendous or disrespectful, I think we should try and enter that situation with the goal of educating. It's very easy to, and I think most of us to some degree have been guilty of in the past, but it's very easy to kind of just jump in, pile on, and be the worst version of ourselves, which is often the worst way we can respond to the situation if our goal is more good 
in the world. Yeah, that's the story, my personal takeaway, and of course it passed the question off to you. What are your thoughts on this? Then let's talk about the massive news regarding the world of online entertainment. This in general was just gonna kind of be a happy little segment, a congratulations to Felix, AKA PewDiePie, for becoming the first individual to have a channel with over 100 million subscribers. It's just a ridiculous and monumental number. But also something that was very big, especially given the kind of uh, complicated slash how close can we actually be to you history that PewDiePie and YouTube has. YouTube actually congratulated him with a tweet and a special video, which I will say as just someone that is a part of the community, it was it was nice to see because I, I think that YouTube is aware that the media will take a shot at them for whatever reason they can. And a lot of the places covering the 100 million subscriber milestone keep mentioning the old controversies. And so to me, that was meaningful because YouTube didn't seem to mind to put a target on their back. But also at the same time, they probably just made peace with the target being there. But aside from the happy YouTube history being made, the other big social media YouTube story over the weekend was Hack It. Major creators got hit over the weekend. You had the likes of Amanda Cerny, King Bat, Shane Dawson, James Charles. And for some, there were leaked DMs, including ones with Justin Bieber. On Shane Dawson's account, you had offensive comments, a homophobic slur being made about James Charles. On James Charles's account, there was a threat to leak nudes of James Charles. Now it appears that those creators regained control of their accounts, but that is also not where the story ends. Regarding James Charles, to combat the threat made by the hacker to post a nude photo of him, he posted this photo that I cannot show you the bottom half of, with the caption, hi, I got my account back. Just in case I ever get hacked again, here's the only nude I've ever taken. Can't threaten me with it now, get a life. Now, as a reaction to that, there were a number of people saying, yeah, James, take the power back. Right, it's somewhat familiar to the Bella Thorne situation when she was hacked and then she posted her own photos. There was also some backlash and criticism of James Charles. People saying he shouldn't post this because he has young kids that follow him. We had another tweeting, literally no one asked for this. To which Charles replied, yeah, well, I didn't ask to have my security and privacy threatened either. So this is me taking back ownership of the situation. Move on with your day. The internet, of course, is a place where there can be a third different reaction memes. That's exactly what we saw from a ton of creators, uh, but most notably uh, Ethan Klein of H3H3 Productions. It was uh, definitely a mistake for me to open up Twitter while I was in line at Starbucks. But hey, at least it wasn't the one that is closest to my house. But the final thing with this story was a ton of backlash directed towards AT&T. With James Charles tweeting, my ATT phone number was compromised earlier today and all my social media accounts were therefore hacked too. Your fraud department just hung up on me. Contact me immediately. This is a major security threat and my lawyer will be reaching out too. Amanda Cerny also tweeting, Second time my phone number was hacked because of human error within company at ATT. I have all possible steps of verification added after the first time, again, and my account was still compromised. Time to switch carriers. King Batch also posting a video to Twitter to say, And all the text messages went to his phone. He so could see everything I was typing in my phone. So when I changed my password, he saw what the fuck I changed it to. The store is closed, the customer service is trash. I was on the phone for hours just trying to figure this shit out and I couldn't get no help. So bottom line, you're trash. So what they're claiming is that the hackers SIM swapped their account. And so basically what that would mean is the hackers would have called into AT&T convinced the carrier that they were someone like James Charles. Then the hackers would have requested AT&T switch Charles's phone number to a different SIM card. Notably, that SIM card being one that the hackers own. But ultimately, that's where we are right now. I, I will say it'll be interesting to see what happens from here. Obviously, James Charles mentioned his lawyer, so are we going to see a lawsuit? Notably, it wouldn't be the first time AT&T was sued for a SIM swapping incident. Yeah, ultimately, we're gonna have to wait and see. And the last thing we're gonna talk about today is the G7 summit, which started over the weekend and it wraps up today. Now, this year, the summit was hosted by France and the other G7 countries, which include Canada, Germany, Japan, Italy, the UK, the United States, 
all attended. And the purpose of this summit is for the leaders of these countries to discuss economics, politics, and other global issues. And as you can imagine, a lot of things happened, but here are some of the highlights. One of the big stories to come out of this were remarks President Donald Trump made about trade negotiations with China. And for some background here, the two countries have been in a public trade war for about a year, and this has been escalating throughout the month. Most recently, with Trump raising tariffs on China this last Friday, they reported $250 billion worth of goods, seeing a hike from 25% to 30% in October, as well as another $300 billion, seeing an increase from 10% to 15% next month, with Trump also encouraging American businesses to find alternatives to China and condemning Chinese President Xi Jinping. But at the summit, he appeared to take a step back from this. He called President Xi a good leader and added he had taken two phone calls with Chinese officials and then adding, And we're going to start very shortly to uh, negotiate. We'll see what happens, but I think we're going to make a deal. Also this weekend, the Chinese vice premier made a statement about scaling back the trade war, saying, We are willing to resolve the issue through consultations and cooperation in a calm attitude and resolutely oppose the escalation of the trade war. But also, regarding this specifically, obviously words can change how the stock market reacts. But as far as what is actually going to happen, I really do think that it is a wait and see what actually happens. On this specific issue, for example, there was a moment where, where Donald Trump was meeting with Boris Johnson. And during that, reportedly regarding his approach to China, he was asked by a reporter, are you having second thoughts about it? To which the president responded, yeah, sure, why not? I have second thoughts about everything. But then later, according to reports, White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham put out a statement saying that Trump's comment had been greatly misinterpreted and adding his regret is only that he's not raising the tariffs higher. I guess we'll see. Also, another big story that came from the G7 was the appearance of Iran's foreign minister, Mohammad Javid Zarif, on Sunday. Something that appeared to be a last-minute surprise orchestrated by French President Emmanuel Macron, who met with Zarif privately. According to reports, Trump and other world leaders were warned of the visit the night before, but Zarif mainly stayed on the sidelines of this summit, reportedly never meeting with Trump, but all of this coming as Macron has been trying to get Trump to take an easier approach on Iran. Of course, famously, Trump left the Iran nuclear deal back in 2018, and of course, in the headlines, you've seen kind of the escalation of everything that's been stemming from this. Also during a press conference this morning, Macron and Trump both spoke about Iran, the two agreeing that the country should not have nuclear weapons. Macron also saying that he wants to organize a meeting between the United States and Iran in the next few weeks. And while Trump did not commit to anything, he alluded that it would be possible, saying, if the circumstances were correct or right, I would certainly agree to that. But in the meantime, they have to be good players. And then one of the stories out of the G7 that a lot of people are talking about is the deal reached regarding the fires in the Amazon. And this reportedly happened during a session on climate, which Trump notably did not attend. Reportedly, he was the only leader from the G7 who did not go, and instead the U.S. was represented by a senior administration member. Still, President Macron, along with the president of Chile, announced that all countries agreed on $20 million in aid for the fires, and saying that they want these funds to be made available immediately, and that most would go to planes fighting the fires. Also, an agreement to further protect the forest and begin reforestation efforts was also reached. And for some context here, in case you haven't seen previous shows, reports show that fires in Brazil's Amazon have increased by 84% this year, something that is made even more notable when you consider that the Amazon rainforest accounts for 20% of the world's oxygen supply. With many experts believing that deforestation efforts are the cause of the fires, with many criticizing Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro for both supporting deforestation and not doing enough to stop the fires. Though, on that note, Brazil has now also promised action of its own. Over the weekend, saying they have 44,000 troops available to help the effort, as well as planes that can dump water on the burning areas of the forest. These fires have also seemingly started a feud connected to the G7. You know, the fires in the Amazon were high on the agenda of several G7 leaders, including Macron. Before the summit started, he had sent out a tweet calling it an international crisis, also suggesting that it be a priority in the discussion. Bolsonaro then tweeted in response, the French president's suggestion that Amazonian issues be discussed at the G7 without the participation of the countries of the region evokes a misplaced colonialist mindset in the 21st century. He also tweeted about Macron as the G7 announced their plans to give aid to the fire, saying, 
we can't accept that a President Macron fires off improper and gratuitous attacks on Amazonia, nor that he hides his intentions behind the idea of an alliance of G7 countries to, quote, save Amazonia, as if we were a colony or no man's land. But at the same time, the president of Chile, who is reportedly an ally to Bolsonaro, said that he understood why the issue deserved international attention, and also claiming that tensions between Macron and Bolsonaro were starting to loosen up. The Amazon is part of the health of the whole planet, and therefore it is reasonable that everybody is concerned about that. We have to find a compromise between those two. That was the problem between Macron and Bolsonaro at the beginning, but it has already been solved because now both the G7 and the Amazon countries, with a collaboration of Chile, are pushing in the same direction. But despite those comments, I don't know if that's true. Because reportedly, when someone posted a meme comparing Bolsonaro's wife to Macron's wife, Bolsonaro's account responded by saying, don't humiliate the guy. Which, understandably, many have interpreted as a dig at Macron and his wife. And during the G7, Macron called the remark disrespectful and added, what can I tell you? It's sad. It's sad for him and for Brazilians. I think that Brazilian women are probably ashamed to read that their president has done that. And adding, as I have a lot of friendship and respect for the Brazilian people, I hope that they will quickly have a president who is up to the job. Yeah, ultimately that is where we are with this story as of now. It's gonna be interesting to see what else comes from this summit, if any remarks change, if people can actually work together. Yeah, like with everything we talk about, of course I'd love to know your thoughts. And that's where I'm going to end today's show. And hey, if you like this, be sure to hit that like button. Also, if you're new here, be sure to hit subscribe. Definitely click that bell to turn on notifications. That way you don't miss these daily dives into the news, which actually, if you did miss the last Philip DeFranco show or you wanna catch up on something a little bit extra, you can click or tap right there to watch those right now. But with that said, of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.